back in 2000 was it 2017 yeah that sounds about right 17 uh and i met him at the rock church in point loma and saw this guy come out on stage as the young adults pastor and he had you know swag he had the drip <laughs> so i was like man who is this guy we ended up uh connecting afterwards and our families got connected and our kids are around the same age and all that good stuff so super excited to have him on today um I'm going to allow him to introduce himself and, and move on from there. Uh, otherwise, uh, Vince, welcome on to the show, and we're excited to have you. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, like you said, my name is Vince Freeman. Currently, I am the associate campus pastor for our online campus at the Rock Church based out of San Diego. I'm uh, married to my wife, Katie, for seven years, and we have a daughter who's about to be two next month named Maya. So i uh, lived in San Diego for the last six years, and I hope we never leave. <laughs> nice. That's something uh, we both have in common. Uh, I, I originally came from Texas, and I'm like, man, why am I living out Midwest when we could be in San Diego? I know you came from the East Coast, so yeah, San Diego is a, a special place. So, All right, so what I want to do today is talk a little bit about uh, kind of what's been going on in our country lately. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, social injustice. Um a lot of uprisings in different cities. Uh, different cities have been taking on different perspectives when it comes to these uh, justice, social injustices. Um, I just want to kind of get your perspective being a pastor at a large, probably the largest church in San Diego. You know, what has been your perspective on what's going on in our country today? Yeah, I think um, the interesting thing is that it really depends on who you ask, you know, for many people of color, um, this is just another chapter in our story um, where it's like, we've seen this happen before. We've seen these things play out. We've seen these cases uh, where we haven't received the justice that we've desired. And so we're hoping that this time is different. You know, we've got a lot of major cases. You've got Breonna Taylor, you have Ahmaud Arbery, you have George Floyd. So we're kind of waiting to see, will this be different? Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of my white brothers and sisters in particular, like this has been an awakening for them. So they're like, man, I, I really didn't know it was as bad as people have said, or I hadn't been involved as I am now, even with the learning aspect. And so I think for me, um, my perspective is, I, I wasn't as involved even personally until this last kind of reiteration of um, social injustice, this you know March. Um, and so it's been really interesting to see the Lord you know, use me in connection to the people that I know to speak into their lives and to give my perspective, you know, that's never really happened before for me. Wow. Yeah. And I think you hit it right on the head that this time is kind of like that awakening. I remember um, the instance that I remember in particular is the George Floyd situation and just watching that happen, you know, it was only eight minutes, but it was eight minutes long. And so for a lot of us to sit there and watch that entire video was extremely hard and I think it prompted this, uh, like you're saying, awakening in a lot of us to say, hey, this is wrong, has been going on for a long time, and now is the time to take action. 
Uh, and it's amazing to see since that time, the amount of action that has taken place. And that's not to say uh, there's not a lot more work to be done, but I'm seeing individuals step up, say, hey, I'm, I'm using my voice, my platform, my social media, whatever the case may be, uh, to speak on these issues and raise awareness, even if it's uncomfortable. Uh, you have you have taken that stance in certain aspects with your social media, uh, with, yeah. with start, stop, and continue. Can you tell me a little bit what, about what prompted that um, and, and how you're using that platform to get your message across? Yeah, so Start, Stop, Continue um, is like a little video series that I created on my Instagram. And the origin story is that um, I have a friend named Joshua Randall. He writes music and he asked me to help him with a video for uh, a tribute to Ahmaud Arbery's life. And as we had been working on it, you know, the stories of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd had come to light as well. And I just remember feeling like, and I, I want to do more to share my voice and share my perspective. And so um, I had never really used my platform to say much. I, I've always been for the last 10 or so years comfortable talking about race, but not really in like the online platform. I just hadn't done it. And um, I started following the account, Oh Happy Danny. Uh, her, her name is Danielle uh, Coke. And I, I don't know, a lot of her uh, art has gone viral. Okay. And I remember seeing it and it's just so simple, but yet so profound. And I was like, I'd love to just, add a little bit to the conversation, you know, just in my own way. Mm -hmm. And so I like to make videos. I like to make short videos. And um, this was just an idea that I had. And so I just started, started uh, recording and, and writing out little things. And the name is Start, Stop, Continue. So each episode features one thing you could start, stop, or continue doing to support your friends of color. Nice. So when you're using this platform, uh, it sounded like you didn't have to do too much work or purchase any platform or anything. It was just you yeah. utilizing the skills that, and tools that you already had at your exposure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the biggest thing that keeps people from starting is they feel like they don't have enough. Um, and one of my favorite quotes is like, do the best you can for what you have, you know, like just start. And yeah. I didn't buy anything extra. I just flipped the camera around and said, I'm just going to go for it. Nice. nice. Um, so Earlier, you kind of spoke on uh, the reasons why you hadn't used uh, any platform to speak on these things before. You yourself are African-American. Um, you know, I, I can relate in the aspects that there's times where I'm like, should I speak on these things? Should I not? And overall, I find myself conflicted internally with different values, different um, interests, different things that I would say at the end of the day, uh, prevent me from speaking on certain topics. One of those things happen to be uh, religion or Christianity. Some might combine the two, some might separate the two. Uh, for me personally, I found a new form of uh, what Christianity means throughout all this and understanding that to be a, a true Christian means you're giving up who you are in yourself in order to benefit somebody else. And I'm seeing that take place with a lot of people. I've seen that exemplified with you and using this platform. I'm just wondering as a pastor at The Rock, um, in your position, I'm sure you have challenges being a leader um, mm -hmm. and, and people, you, you have people's ears in that position. So how do you manage, you know, people who may say they're Christian, but then are conflict, conflicted with these uh, issues such as social, social injustices? Yeah, I think the first thing that I have to remember is that I can only control myself. Mm -hmm. um, 
because I'm at a, a very large church in San Diego, we have every, anybody you could think of as far as on the spectrum of thought process or political leaning, they go to our church. Yeah. Far right, far left, whatever. Um, and so knowing that I'm speaking to such a diverse cloud of thought, uh, people are going to disagree. People are going to agree. And so just go ahead and knowing like, Maybe that they may be my main audience, it's going to be scattered. Yeah. Um, but then also as a pastor, knowing that there is a level of influence there to be very wise about what I say. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of my thing is I don't necessarily want to change people's minds in the sense that like, I'm going to tell you this and it's going to change your mind. Yeah. I want to give you a different perspective. Yeah. I want you to think like, hmm, I've not thought about it this way before. And at the end of the day, you're still going to decide like, Am I going to continue in this train of thought or that train of thought? Yeah. And I think too often we jump into these conversations saying, I'm going to change your mind. And yeah. that's where people get hung up. And it's like, no, you don't understand. You know, Black Lives Matter because of this. And then people who are already opposed to that may have their fingers in their ears and they're like, I'm not listening. And your resistance is actually giving me fuel for my fire to like dig my heels in more. Yeah. Instead of starting the conversation, trying to understand more about what they believe. Mm-hmm. And so for me, just knowing that there's going to be a lot of people who disagree for whatever reason, um, if I can try to understand how they got to where they are, I may not really even have to change their mind. I now have a better understanding of where they're at, yeah. uh, whether they're Christian or not. Um, mm. So, Wow, that's, I think that's really wise in the aspect that you mentioned. You know, it's, it's about gaining the understanding as opposed to trying to change the perspective because one of the things, and this sounds like it's on the same lines uh, that you just mentioned uh, that I realize is that I can't expect somebody who's never walked in my shoes to understand my perspective. And if I'm trying to do that, you're, you're basically trying to do an impossible feat because you, you know, I can't tell a white person what it's like to be black to the fullest. And I can't tell a white, you know, white person can't tell a black person what it's like to be white. And so I think that's a very wise stance that, many people need to come from in the perspective that um, accepting differences is different than from trying to change that person's perspective overall. Um, And I think that should be the goal. And I think that's a mismark for many people when it comes to these conversations. It's not about conversion. It's about understanding. Um, All right. So what I want to do now is transition back to the action steps that we were talking about earlier in the call. Um, How do people who are not affected by social injustices directly, uh, how do they get involved? I, I hear all the time from my white brothers and sisters, they say, I see it, but I just don't know what to do or it's awkward and I don't understand. I just don't know what to say. What do you, what do you have to say for individuals who may have a heart to do something, but don't feel comfortable or don't know what to do? Yeah. Um, I got an opportunity to preach about this, uh, in June and I likened other people's pain to a bonfire. And I said, you can see it from far away, but you can't feel it until you get close to it. Mm. Right. Um, you can't be compassionate and comfortable at the same time. And so if you're saying, ah, like, I don't really know what to do. It it makes me feel uncomfortable. The more uncomfortable you feel, the closer you probably actually are to somebody's pain. You know, um, imagine a car wreck that you were behind. You weren't necessarily affected by it, but now it's stopped traffic and someone's bleeding out. And maybe there's 
a gas leak or whatever, and you're like, if I go in there, it's going to be messy. It's going to be uncomfortable. But what happens to the person inside if I don't go in there? Wow. You know, so you have to just start to consider like, hmm, this could actually get messy. I could get in over my head. I could not know. But what is it got, like? Is it worth it to me so that I can gain understanding so that I yeah. can actually begin to make a difference? Wow. And so um, one of the biggest things, even for me as a black man in America, I, I wanted to follow more people who were educating others on social injustice and race like just because we're black in america you know we're not necessarily experts like we have our own personal experience but i want to learn more like how do we make a difference and how do we help others make a difference and so again um danielle coke her account oh happy danny just the way that she breaks things down i I wrote down a few things um there's one graphic that she has and it's like a funnel Mm -hmm. and it starts with general knowledge so you need to do just your baseline research racism exists in america like it's a fact yeah uh so what does that look like across the board? Uh, then you, the next layer is topical research. Let's just take housing or education, like find a segment of society or culture that you want to learn more in, the entertainment industry. Yeah. And then I think the most important one that she says is to pair passion with a cause. So let's say you pick education and you, you love to work with children and you find out that maybe in your area or in an area nearby, inner city schools are completely underfunded and it's affecting you know, people of color and their kids and their generations, like now you have a passion and you compare that with the cause. How am I going to help? You can donate, you can volunteer, you can learn, you can, you know, get invested in that community. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, most importantly, you can partner with people who are already doing that work. You don't yeah. have to start your own nonprofit. You don't have to create your own foundation. There's people who are actually already doing that work. Yeah. How are you supporting those people? Yeah. And the last thing is, uh, she says, aligned action. So, mentioning again, like how am I taking steps to support what's already going on? And you can do that cycle over and over and over again. But I think if you pick one key area, one facet, um, and you say, this is what I'm going to hang on to and I want to work to see change here, that's going to be better than just being like, I don't know what to do next. Wow. You, uh, you spoke a message in like three words uh, or four. You said, um, in order to be compassionate, you can't be comfortable. And so... Yeah. I'm not even going to touch that because we're going to go on to a whole nother, <laughs> whole nother message there. But um, speaking of the comfortable part, you know, you do have the responses from people that say because they they don't deal with these issues directly, um, it's not their responsibility. And so yeah. say you have somebody who's curious, say you have somebody who um, hears the cries of a certain cause or whatever the case may be. Um, but they're they're coming from the perspective that it's not their responsibility. Is it is it at the end of the day that person's uh, problem? Number one, and then number two, um, do you have to have a heart in order for it to be your responsibility? Yeah, um, I would say, to me, in my opinion, mm-hmm. I don't expect people who are not believers, who are not disciples of Jesus, to get involved. Yes, you can get involved. There are people who do not follow Jesus that are making great strides in America for racial reconciliation. I'm not saying that that's not happening. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is I don't expect people to feel like it's their problem if they don't follow Jesus. And here's here's why. Um, We talked about being comfortable and compassionate. Mm -hmm. Jesus, son of God, was seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, right? He left everything, angels worshiping him all day long, all of these things to come down to our filthy broken world so jesus had privilege that he set aside to come to earth 
to peep to save people that weren't his problem. Yeah. So if we say, Jesus, we love you, we want to be like you, we want to model what you do, then we should do the same and say, even if you feel like you have this much privilege, you're like, what can I set aside so that other people can have a better life? You know, and I don't expect people who don't follow Jesus to think that way. Like right. Our culture in our world doesn't say that. But if you do follow Jesus, I do expect you to think, hmm, what's the model of my savior? He left heaven to come and save me. So what can I do? What can I set aside to be uh, compassionate for other people who might have less than me? Wow. And I think that takes the perspective of understanding the role and the impact that Jesus had on this earth. And that requires you getting into the word ultimately to know what he Mm -hmm. did, what he left behind. And so many times I feel like we're so engulfed and over stimulated by social media and platforms that are constantly feeding our minds that sometimes we lose that perspective, even, even as Christians. Yeah. And so, uh, that's, I think that's extremely good. Like I said, I don't even want to touch on you, that <laughs> there because that, that, that'll be an hour-long conversation. But my last question is, uh, what are some of the experiences that you've learned from being African-American yourself, uh, African-American male, that you would like to share for African-American youth? Uh, during this time of transition, we're seeing a lot of movements going forward. There may be youth who identifies African-American male, have seen the injustices take place, and are trying to just figure out their place uh, in, in the world. So from your perspective, what would you uh, like to say to the American, African-American uh, youth? Yeah, um, I would say to them that perception is powerful, but it's not the same as truth. Mm. And a lot of people, they forget that. They, they lose sight of that. And I, I especially want to say that to black males and, and, and women today, uh, because coming into this world, people are going to perceive something about you and you don't really have control over what they perceive about you, but you can be true. Um, and just knowing that, you know, whether people perceive you as a threat, if you're a male, whether people perceive you as, you know, not as beautiful to our Eurocentric standards in America, if you're a black female, like whatever, Perception is powerful and it can determine a lot, but it's not the same as true. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's been said that minorities are people of color and they have to work twice as hard to get half as far. Like it, it might, it still feels true today, uh, but don't let that keep you from pushing, from breaking boundaries, from going after, you know, what you desire in this life. Um, because what people perceive about you is not the truth. And so you get to determine that you get to push for that. So, yeah. Nice. Well, uh, I definitely appreciate the, the nuggets of wisdom that you provided for us today. Um, I could sit here with Vince like all day long and just keep going on on this topic, but for sake of and respect for his time, uh, we're going to cut it there. But Vince, I appreciate you uh, stopping by Breaking the Mold and sharing your insight and the work that you're doing and just your perspective on the things going on today. Do you have any last comments before we head out? Uh, I just want to say... Be, be careful who you follow on social media. Um, try to get multiple voices involved. Even if you're like, man, I love what this person's posting, like start diversifying your uh, platform so that you can hear other people's perspectives. Um, such a powerful tool. So um, be careful what you pay attention to. That's what I want to share. Nice, nice, perfect. All right, guys. So I'm going to leave you uh, with a Vince Freeman quote. He said, 
perception is powerful, but not as powerful as the truth. So I'm going to go take that one, meditate on it for a little bit. But Vince, thank you so much for stopping by Breaking the Mold. Uh, we truly appreciate you being here. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And we'll be uh, back next time for more Breaking the Mold.